0: you to this ordination service for our brother Dan Jackson. Ordination is a somewhat solemn ceremony, though um, I noticed this morning that they didn't have time on, and that makes us all But it really is mostly a joyful ceremony. Uh, we as a Presbyterian, Demonstrated his his uh, competence and his fitness for this recognition by passing a series of we think pretty rigorous exams, I think Dan might agree. A little conwitting, he's uh, bore the committee of presbytery, and he's the entire presbytery. But equally, The things, that act signifies or symbolizes the passing on of the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit to them. And it also signifies, I think, uh, our solidarity together as colleagues in ministry with them. And that sense of solidarity, They come and, and share their gifts uh, for this service. They know, uh, like I that uh, we're not here to celebrate what I have done, but what the Lord has done in me, and what He's currently doing, and what He will do of His and mercy. And we celebrate the today in that. Uh, one of the really neat things about this service for me is that I get to have some of my heroes in the faith come together, for me is is Reverend Chad Brewer. Uh, Chad, I first met Chad when I was at the University of Missouri as a sophomore in college. Uh, I might have met him briefly as a freshman, uh, but we got to know each other as I was a sophomore in college, and Chad was doing college ministry at the University of Missouri, and we formed a great relationship and really um, had a wonderful time of pursuing Christ together and better understanding the love and the is that I met First student in ministry at the University of Missouri. Uh, the first wedding that I ever did was Dan and Trish's wedding. Uh, this is my first ordination that I've ever done before. And Dan and Trish they introduced me to my first wedding. Anyways, so I've fans know that this is March Madness time. This is when 64 of the best college teams come together, play, and then you end up with the best, the greatest college basketball team. Uh, where I live in the Twin Cities, one of the local radio stations is doing, is doing uh, a preposterous statement tournament. The 64 most preposterous statements of 2009, they compete up against each other, listeners vote, and at the end statement that stands alone. The statement that we're about to look at from Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 12. If we uttered this statement in 2009, Jesus would have won the award. Listen, Listen to what Jesus says to his followers in John chapter 14, 12. The verse is in your bulletin. You can also look along in the Bible. He says to his followers, First time and told her everything about her after he's healed a sick and dying boy, after he's fed five thousand, after he's walked on water, after he's given sight to a blind man, after he's raised the dead to new life. Jesus looks at his disciples after all of these things and he says. This great statement, we're going to look at the greater things, and we're going to look at the greatest things. So we look at this great statement, the greater things, and then the greatest thing. So who is this great statement for, that you will do greater things than me? In other words, is it for Christians today? When well, Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples here in John chapter 14, he just washed their feet, they shared the Passover meal, which was the Last Supper. After the meal, Jesus says to them, You will do greater things than me. So certainly we know that he's talking to his disciples. But if you you look at verse 12, we also know that he's talking to future believers. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will even do greater things. Well, Jesus says, greater things than me, he's talking to Christians. So then how can Jesus make this great statement to us? How can he say this to us? When Jesus is washing his disciples' feet, they later eat the Last Supper. It's, It's Thursday night. Jesus is less than 24 hours from going to the cross, less than 24 hours from his death. He's about to leave this earth, which means he's about to leave After they eat the the last supper, he breaks the news to them. He says, I'm only going to be with you a little bit longer. Of course, the disciples don't like the idea that Jesus is about to leave them here on this earth. But then Jesus tells them this. He says that his death, that his leaving, that his going to the Father is actually better for them. It's better than I go, he says. He's about to take off. This is the best possible thing. Jesus is saying is it's part of It's all part of, it's all part of the plan. The plan that God was going to rescue a people. A plan that they've crafted from the beginning of time, that God would come into this world, the Son, part of the Holy Spirit. It's part of the plan that He's about to push up against. look at verse 12, you can see the connection. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because, why? Because I am going to the Father. And Jesus says, this now means that when you pray, you can pray in my name. So what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name. Well, it means that the things that Jesus loved, the things that the disciples saw in For Jesus, to be there at the Father's right hand means that he had to have been already at the cross. He had to go to the cross. He had to raise up from the dead. And so now he's seated in power with the Father. And so when I, when he's with the Father, he's telling his disciples, this is the best possible thing that's going to happen. Secondly, he says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. That same Thursday night, less than 24 hours from his death, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit is about to send. He says this, I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not. Spirit is poured out. And we know this is significant because the Holy Spirit is going to come with power. Now, where does he get that power? Well, it's a power that he did not have before Jesus ascended to the Father because it's Jesus' resurrection power. And so the Holy Spirit comes with resurrection power, and now he's going to indwell all believers. And so there's a power that believers now have access to that they do even greater things than me, he's not just being nice to the disciples. He's not just trying to find the hearts. But he's saying, "Is going to something beautiful is about to take place. So what are those greater things What are those greater things that Jesus says future believers like you, like me, will do? What are those greater things? Does that mean like we will be David Copperfield, and we can saw somebody in half and then bring them back in complete fullness? Does that mean we can go to Lambeau Field and take our five blocks and our two rolls and miraculously multiply them to feed 78,000 people on game day? Does that mean that we'll be able to walk across the Green Bay or Lake Michigan? That's not what Jesus seems to be saying. I think the key, one of the keys to understand what these greater things Is to understand how Jesus introduced His ministry, then to understand how Jesus introduces the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and of course, there's going to be real implications for the introduction of Dan's ministry as we understand the Holy Spirit Jesus' ministry. When Jesus begins ministry, after He's been tempted, when He's been out in the desert, He walks into first sermon that we see there in Luke chapter 4. He opens up Isaiah chapter 61, and this is his introduction to his ministry. And this is what he says about what he's come to do. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me, the connection to the spirit, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. wasn't just to do unbelievable miracles, but it was really two things, to proclaim salvation, to tell of the plan, of God's rescue plan, that he was about to accomplish on the cross. And the second thing is to relieve physical suffering in Proclaiming the salvation is about to accomplish on the cross and to relieve suffering, which also will be connected. last night, Thursday night, less than 24 hours before his death, he says about the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going to come and powerfully work in people's hearts to convict them that they have been living in opposition to God, that the lies that they have. they have not loved God the way they were made to love God from the very beginning, where God has loved them. And if they have not loved their neighbor, their neighbors the people that they know around them who have been broken by the fall, emotionally, physically, he's going to come and convict people of those very things, and the doing is that he's going to bring salvation, and he's going to begin to bring healing, he's going to push up against the effects of the fall. He's going to do it. How is He going to do these greater things? It's through you. It's through you. It's through the church. This is how He's going to do it. This is how the rest you tell and live one by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through you. It's through the church. The greater things that we will do will be done. Up against the brokenness in this world, this is the new phase in God's rescue plan that Jesus is leading us here, and this is what we're celebrating today. This is what we're celebrating here this morning. These very things, these greater things that are being accomplished here in Green Bay, and I want you to see the big picture of what's taking place this morning. people here in Green Bay, and they wanted to be part of a fellowship of believers that would take the Bible seriously, and that would take Jesus seriously, and so they started New Hope Presbyterian Church, because they knew that God was be gracious and merciful to them, and so this church was formed, and then as this church was growing and forming, early on they said, we want to see Green Bay reached by this to see suffering pushed up against. We want to see churches planted. These are the greater things that we're talking about. And so they put their money behind it. They put their prayers behind it. These are the greater things that we're talking about. And they brought in Dan Jackson. Dan Jackson came to be a church planner eventually. And now this is the day that we're celebrating. New Hope is pushing him, sending him off to do these greater things. And Dan is answering God's call to do Jacob's is right a feeling called by God to do part of these to take the gospel up to Green Bay, to test against student suffering. The greater things that Jesus is talking about, we are celebrating here this morning, is the power of the Holy Spirit it's beginning to change and transform Green Bay, and he's going to do it for you. So first of all, just something to say. Up against the physical the cracks and the fall here in green Bay. These are the things that your Hope has been about and will be about. These are the things that Jacob's well is going to be about. These are the greater things. And this is what Dan is being ordained for. Jesus to be pastors. What's your for to prepare these people to do these daily things? David. Finally, what is the greatest thing? What is the greatest thing that will not be revealed? But do you know the immediate context for Jesus saying, "You will do greater things than me"? It's actually with Hook. Philip comes to Jesus and after spending three years with Jesus. He says, "Lord, show us the Father." show us the Father. He's saying help us to know the Father Effects of the fall and the spiritual brokenness that are in, that's in people's lives. Do you think that the Father is different? This, this is the connection to these greater things. That for some people to do these greater things is going to be really unappealing, and it feels very burdensome to do these kinds of greater things. Why? Because they don't know somebody. Because if they never found that they have a relationship. It's like any relationship. Peace. says he is, and if he's as great as we know he's supposed to be, then he's going to have some kind of real impact in your life. Whether it's intellectually, whether it's emotionally, whether it's delishly, he's going to have an impact in your life. Let me you these questions. Emotionally, have you ever hated your sin? Truly hated your sin because you know Because Jesus can forgive all of his sins. Have you ever felt that kind of joy that just wells up in your heart? An emotional kind of joy. Volitionally, your will, have you ever decided to change the course of your life? Because you say, this is what God wants, and God is good, and if He wants this to my have you ever thought of this is- This man boasts of his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this: that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness. (laughs) Thank you. entitled to all Uh, This part of the ordination service is a charge, a charge to Dan. In many ways, uh, Chad spoke well and specifically to what Dan is facing. But in light of the, the laying on of hands and the questions of ordination, this part is a more specific reminder, once again, Timothy chapter four, the first five verses, where Paul writes to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. those teachers to sit their own We planted here in Green Bay. Talk about that as a sense of organizing a church, to say nothing to mean that it's in a disorganized state now. But we're looking forward to what God is going to do in the coming months and years by His grace that you will accomplish here. You accepted this call, and by the authority of the presbytery, you have been commissioned to preach. you. Exactly. of following Christ and His righteousness and living a life that is in accord with what Scripture commands. The other aspect of being a bishop and doing is to lead them in repentance to allow your brokenness before Christ to be seen and understood. Perhaps not in all the nitty-gritty details, but that they would see you as one in the number of years that you've lived or the experiences that you've had, but in your calling by God. But that sense of Presbyterian, too, especially in our context here as Presbyterians, means there is a connection. To uphold the work and the worship of the church, which Christ is the great head of And peaceful. organized, perhaps church becomes organized. We call it being a particular church. Some of the for you will see by God's grace and in God's so much of this service and (laughs) rightfully so speak To y'all. First off, um, we do have lunch in the basement after. If you can stay and join with us, we have plenty enough food. We enjoy your company. Secondly, many of you have been praying for Jacob's well for a location to meet uh, a, a church in town. A wonderful church named Green Bay Community Church has agreed to let us use their chapel, which is a wonderful praise. I got a call eight thirty last night when I was walking through Coles to buy this shirt right here. And Troy so Lurphy, the pastor there, who I very really much respect and, and enjoy, calls me and shares of the good news of their elders who so generously are letting us use it and so praise God with them. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so greatly encouraged uh, by your presence, by the word spoken, um, but most especially by the cross of Jesus Christ. Receive God's benediction from Colossians 3, verse 15 through 17. Let well, the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. As members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father.